Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to another Real Nerds Podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast live from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. I am joined here by Caleb. Caleb, say hi to the folks. Hey, everyone. Hey. So, Caleb, you're a movie buff. Yes. Is what you told me when you came up to our booth. So, tell me, what's the best movie you've seen this year thus far? Off this the top of your head. year off the top of my head, it actually does have to be Avengers Endgame, mostly because, and I have seen a fair amount of movies this year most of them i didn't find to be entertaining beyond a single viewing okay as avengers i've seen it multiple times it's been worth the price of admission probably because of a bit of fanboy isms inside of me how many times total count would you say uh five times five okay you're one above me um <laughs> none of us have beat brad here our um our, one of our guys here at the booth he's uh, gone nine times is it brad nine times ten ten wow so Kevin Feige's very happy with him right now. So like, what it, what is it about Endgame for you that like transcends it above the other films this year? Um, well, one was the conclusion of the arcs for each of the characters. You know, with most of the films I have seen so far this year, I guess it is a bit of unfair disadvantage. Marvel had twenty two films building up to Endgame. <laughs> you know, so it was kind of easier for them. Where these other films, they have to start and start the arc and conclude it within two hours. Exactly. But, I don't know, maybe it's just easier for Endgame. I just found the character arcs uh, better, and it was just more entertaining. Like, that third act, one of the best third acts I have ever seen, hands down, and I've seen I've seen Lord of the Rings, and that that's right up there with it. One of our uh, co-hosts who isn't here this weekend, he says it's one of the greatest achievements in filmmaking history when we did our review. And I would, I would actually agree with him in the scheme of just how, one, that third act, but two, just how how big the scope is in in total so oh absolutely i mean the cinematography used and the the cgi effects along with the, just the grand scale and so many characters nobody's ever tried that before on such a grand scale i mean and i don't even know if marvel themselves could top that that's yeah. going to be a feat that will be i mean i remember 
back when Return of the King came out and everyone was talking about how epic that final act was and says, oh, nothing will top that. Endgame's right up there with it now. So. Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd even say it surpassed yeah. it in terms of its pop culture relevance and how it's expanded over the past 10 years, 10, 11, now 11 years, oh, actually. Yes. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Well, with Endgame, though, like for you as a film, film goer, I'm curious because when I saw the three-hour runtime, I was like, oh, cool. And then I was like, wait. There might be a bunch of people here who are not going to go sit for three hours in a movie. Was it a deterrent for you at all? Oh, no. I said, I remember walking out of Infinity War thinking, there is no way that this next film won't be at least three hours because <laughs> with so much to wrap up and so I mean, they got to find a way to reverse Thanos' snap. They got to find a way to get all the stones. They got to bring all these people back. I said, with whatever they do, there's no way it won't be at least three hours. When I heard it was three hours, I said, yes, this is going to be epic and I know pe- some people did complain about that, and I said, "Well, then, if you don't, compl- if you complain about that, just not as invested in it." Yeah, yeah, your kidneys can wait, guys. I mean, like, y- y- just don't get a drink. Yeah, I, that's what I did. I said, "Not getting a drink, not getting a snack. I'm just gonna wait." Or another tip on it: sip water like lightly. You know, yep. just like just keep your mouth hydrated. Don't need to gulp yep. it down. The um the the thing that amazed me about the film is how like intimate it is and how small it is in comparison to other Avengers films, and yet. By the third act, it does become massive, but it is very yeah. much a character piece all the way through. Which, honestly, some people, uh, what think, I think surprised most people is that the first half is rather slow. Yeah. You know, people were expecting, okay, right from the get-go, they're going for Thanos. This is going to be an easy, all-out brawl. <laughs> but, I, but I liked the idea that it was slow because I said the ending of Infinity War sort of felt like a, a shock, kind of like a funeral, as one person I saw described it. Yeah. You know, like they're letting it sink in because Thanos has won. The first act is people coping with that, and I appreciated that they took the time to do that, to say, let's not have all-out action. Let's see what the world looks like when they're dealing with the fallout of defeat. It's true. One of the most intelligent scenes in that film is having a support group and just having them sit around and discuss this situation that's happened. And they, for once, had the superheroes trying to deal with their own defeat, not thinking of a plan. You would think the Avengers would be thinking of new plans to try to reverse the damage or maybe help the world get better but no they're just thinking maybe we should just get a life maybe the world doesn't really need us anymore it's a lot of dealing with regret in that and the thematic is just trying to like reverse that regret but it still sticks with them regardless by the time you get to end the end of cap's arc like he goes back to fix that regret once and for all um so having having said this with all you with you you've you seem to be very oriented towards the epic films. Like, what are your favorite genres of film? Um, sci-fi, definitely sci-fi. Um, I actually like fantasy films when they're done correctly. I like fantasy films. This is a good discussion. When do you think they're done correctly? <laughs> um, Lord of the Rings is an example of how to do it when they don't just focus on showing cool things. I mean, yes, we like seeing unique settings and unique creatures, but also... Let us get invested with these characters because when we're invested in the characters and we're put in a very good story, then we feel like we're part of that world. We feel like we're a part of their journey. Whereas, say, oh boy, I might, I might catch some fuck for this, but for the Hobbit films, mm-hmm. they to me they did focus too much on grand scale, just showing these unique creatures like the pale orc and these cool things like Smaug, it was cool and all, but for me, I wasn't as invested in the story or the characters as I was with the Lord of the Rings films. I feel like with the Hobbit films, we didn't get immersed enough the, the way we needed to oh, properly. Yeah. I and, mean, like, yeah. I, I don't know. I think they're, 
also because I'm aware of The Hobbit as a single book that is relatively easy to do it at least in two parts, if not just a one. Well, I actually read the book. Took me about, in total, a six hours to read that book. Yeah. It didn't, and the spiders were actually shown in the second movie. They were shown, I got them in chapter six, and I was thinking... I expected that to be much later in the book. I expected me to take a long time to read that book, but after I read the book, I'm thinking, really? They made three movies out of this? <laughs> it's pretty incredible. There's a book you might want to check out um, that about Peter Jackson um, and the making of the of the Lord of the Rings movies and The Hobbit. Yep. It, the last half of it, like or the last like quarter of it, is dedicated to The Hobbit, yeah. but it definitely goes into detail on that uh, on that whole scale and also yeah. how unions um, and union strikes down in New Zealand kind of contributed to a bit of a tension on set so it's huh. pretty fascinating yeah fantasy though like in, has that realm expanded to like are you a game of thrones fan or actually um funny story i watched a couple episodes and i said nothing's wrong i'm just not getting into this yeah so i never got into game of thrones for some reason i watched a couple episodes and i thought I just can't get into this, and I don't know why. Nothing was wrong with it. There was nothing bad, nothing I hated. It's not like, your cup of tea. No, yeah. it just wasn't. But yeah. when I heard the fan reactions to the last few episodes, I'm like, so I'm guessing I didn't miss too much yeah. other than a lot of fan rage. You know, like, and everybody gets passionate about it. Like, I tend to say, like, you know what? If you have a problem with the with the ending of a show, then work your ass off to get to Hollywood, yeah. and then you can go right for their staff, you know? But I, I've seen that, too. I've had a show that I felt uh, that I used to love, but then I felt I kind of felt disinterested during the final few episodes of a certain season, and then I just kind of stopped watching. I'm like, eh, they're just recycling storylines. What show was it? That was The Walking Dead for me. After ah. To me, season six was the beginning of the end. I mean, it was so slow for the first few episodes, and... Then they really built up Negan a ton, only to show him for five minutes. And then, of course, in typical, the most manipulative way possible, make you wait uh, eight months to see what happens. <laughs> and I had no problem with them killing certain characters, just the way they handled it. I'm like, the reason why it worked in the comics is it was one person. It was one person. That's what made it work. Here in the comics, it's like if you kill one person, you break their morale. If you kill two of them, you're almost kind of daring them to come after you. <laughs> now, I get the idea to break morale of the group. But then to me, it just, uh, I remember thinking, this is the governor from season three all over again. Think about it. Big, intimidating enemy. They're thinking, wait, how can we find him? How can we fight him? And they build it up, build it up, build it up, build it up until the last episode. Okay, now we're going to go fight him. They're, After so much downtime. They are in a kind of a loop with it. And I like the work that Nicotero and the guys from KMB do on that show yeah. from a visual standpoint. But the story, I was I was a little disinterested from the get-go, to be Season honest. Season 9, I thought, could have been more interesting because I'm like, okay, we're going to get a power struggle here. But Maggie wasn't in it too much, and I thought... Shouldn't she be the pivotal character of this season? Because <laughs> the end of season eight hinted at that. Right. That she was going to start a power struggle with Rick. Now it's like, okay, where'd she go? <laughs> I, I was just distant. I was, after season five, I, it kind of fell off for me. And I'm like, maybe you should cut it off at this point. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's fun that we get a zombie show every week yeah. on the air that is that violent and that intense, yeah. but give it credit. It did help make zombies as popular medium as they are. But for AMC to say this could go on forever. I'm like, 
Have you checked the fans' ratings? I don't, recently? I don't know. The, the, spin, the spinoffs could work, but like if you're sticking with that core group, I don't know if it's gonna like last too much longer. Well, or... because now the core group, you only have a what a couple characters left: Carol and uh, Michonne and Daryl, and that's pretty much it at this point. And I thought Daryl was leaving at this season, or I, I don't I know. Remember. But but anyway, yeah, you're losing all your main actors. It's like who's our main focus on? <laughs> And they, if, if they let it go at the end of the day, like maybe that would make me sit down and be like, okay, well, let's take a look at the whole spectrum here of what went wrong. Absolutely. Well, any outside of all that, like, what are you looking forward to coming out for the remainder of the year? Like, Endgame's a hard thing to top. Oh, I'm actually looking forward to that action film, Twenty One Bridges. I'm a, I'm kind of a sucker for contained action thrillers. Like, I just yesterday I went to go see John Wick Three. I loved the original two John Wick movies. I thought they were the best action thrillers that come out in recent years. I lo- and even though it was extremely over the top, I loved John Wick 3. Um, I'm looking forward to 21 Bridges. I think that'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to Rise of Skywalker, absolutely, because yeah. I'm a sucker for Star Wars stuff. And um, in terms of DC films, I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I like Shazam. Yeah. I like Shazam. We love Shazam here. It was, it was, a, it was an unexpected yeah. fun time. I've said DC kind of ditched the idea of crossovers for a while. Just stick with solid solo movies. You seem to be good at that. Just ditch the crossovers for a while. Agreed. Although I will say the crossovering that they did in Shazam was non-intrusive, and I enjoyed True. it. I enjoyed it just yeah. enough. I'm also looking forward to Spider-Man Far From Home because Spider-Man's my he was my favorite hero growing up as a kid. He's always been my favorite Marvel character, so... Yes, I'm so looking forward to seeing Spider-Man. I am too, especially seeing what happens post-Endgame with that. I honestly thought, I didn't know where it was going to take place in the timeline, but seeing the new trailer, I'm like, at first I was a little upset, but then I thought, you know what, this will be good for his arc. He gets to deal with the death of the closest thing he had to a father since the death of Uncle Ben, and you know, one thing that has always been prevalent with the Peter Parker character is you feel a lot of sympathy for him. The kids, I mean, he lost his real parents, then he lost his Uncle Ben, and now he lost who was basically another father to him. It's mm-hmm. like, God, this poor kid. Yeah. So now we get to see how he deals with that. And I'm actually curious on that front how we're going to deal with Sam Jackson carrying on yes. past Iron Man because that's going to be an interesting oh, little feat to go. Though there is a part of me that was thinking, I saw the new suits in Far From Home. I'm like, why wouldn't he just stick with the Iron Spider suit in this case? I mean, it worked in the Galactic War to save the universe. Why wouldn't you just stick with that suit? But I also get it. Some of the stealth suits. I think the designs yeah. are unique. And also, he d- it does kind of fall in line with the theme of like the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Only need yeah. your basic suit. You could be good to go. Like but if we're idea. dealing with multiverse theory, who knows? You know. I actually, I mean, the multiverse idea. I was wondering if that would ever come up, which leaves the gate for the MCU wide open if they ever decide to expand on that. Mm-hmm. They could. There, a multiverse opens up so many doors, and with Into the Spider-Verse, we saw what you could do with it if you do it correctly. So I'm excited to see what they do with the multiverse. Awesome. Well, thank you, Caleb, for coming to sit down with us and chat about films yes, and whatnot. Absolutely. Uh, does anybody, if you have anything to plug or anything you want to chat, or do you just like like movies and wanted to shout it out? Oh, I just like movies and wanted to shout it out, basically. Right on. Yeah. Well, thank you, Caleb. I really appreciate you coming down and talking with us. Thank you for having me. This has been Caleb uh, talking with me, Zach, on the Real Nerds Podcast Live from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. This has been another Real Nerds Podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. See you next year. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. 
Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.